Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Well, uh, John sends his greetings and love. He's out in the uh, metropolis of uh, the universe, the center of the universe, a place called Tarkistat. Uh, It's just a little joke. A small little farming community in the Eastern Cape. So one of the churches down there, John's ministering uh, with them this morning, but he he sends his love. So I I get to share with us. But I just wanted to greet uh, Yolandi and team from uh, Iris Footprint. So good to have you guys with us uh, this morning. Why don't you guys just welcome all of them. Bless you guys. Hopefully you've got your Bible and you brought your Bible to church, and if you got it, then let's open up to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, We're going to look at a few verses over there, and then we're going to go over to Matthew 22 and look at a verse over there. So once you're in Matthew 21, we're going to look at verses 12 and verse 13. Uh, We will be taking to our business council at our next meeting whether we can build a harbor so that you can drive your boat to church with all the rain we've been having. (laughs) Goodness, it's been beautiful, but it's been a lot of rain, eh? Matthew 21, verse 12 to 13. The context is Jesus has just entered into Jerusalem and he now is going into the temple courts. So it says, yeah, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. We're going to stop over there. So let me give you some context over here, and this is all just to paint the backdrop of where I want to go this morning. The context is that in the temple, uh, the people in the community there had to bring a temple tax to the temple uh, every so often. And so they're coming to bring a temple tax, but now what the high priest did was he was a, a shrewd man and, uh, and liked money, I guess. And so he, he said that the temple tax could only be paid in the, a local currency, the, the Tyrian shekel. Now... Everyone's coming with their rands, with their pounds, their dollars, hopefully not their Zim dollars, and they now need to come and exchange their currency for the currency to pay the temple tax, because the high priest said it's only in this Tyrian shekel that you can pay the temple tax, or also if you wanted to buy an animal that you needed to sacrifice because it had to be the right kind of animal that you're going to sacrifice before the king. And so if you wanted to make that kind of a purchase as well, you also had to have the Syrian shekel. And so what these guys were doing is they're, they're charging an exorbitant exchange rate. It's kind of like when you travel to a different country and you get to the airport. Like that's the worst place to exchange money because they rip you off because you've got no other option. So that's what they're doing over here. They're ripping everyone off by giving them these crazy bad exchange rates uh, because they're making a whole bunch of profit off of it. And, uh, and when you see the high priest, he gets a cut of everything that's uh, transacted within the temple. And so he's just enriching himself. Not only that, but then also the animals that were being sold to be sacrificed before the Lord were also being sold at a really exorbitant price, much higher than probably what the, the going rate would be to purchase an animal anywhere else in the community because the high priest was, was wanting to make a lot of money. You see, um, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. And, and that's why Jesus goes into this temple with his whip and drives them out 
and calls them, I'll quote Jesus, a den of robbers. Um, you know, sadly, there's, there's many of the same things happening in the church world today as, uh, as the, the man of God, the prophet, the apostle will, will charge you exorbitant amounts of money to pray for your water that you can get holy water or to uh, sit at a banquet meal with him or for him to pray over you or for him to pray over your offering, whatever it might be. And so there's a lot of people making uh, a lot of money uh, and they're fleecing the flock and and, and, and I want to stay away from those places because who knows when, any moment now, Jesus might go walking in there with a whip in his hand and kick them all out and say, this is despicable and you're a den of robbers. My house will be called a house of prayer. Anyway, all of this is still painting the backdrop of where I want to go. The high priest was a Sadducee. Um, and now the Sadducees were a group of people, uh, kind of almost like the equivalent of a modern-day political party. Uh, they had a, a lot of influence in the community, the Sadducees. They had a lot of uh, political influence. They had a lot of religious influence. They had a lot of social influence. Uh, but now they were sad, you see, as John would tell us, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they only believed in the first five books of, uh, of, of the scripture, the Old Testament, and, uh, and they, they didn't believe in any power, any resurrection, that when you died on earth, that was at the end of you, and, uh, and off you go. So I guess with, with that being their context for eternity, well, I suppose uh, robbing everyone made a bit more sense for them, not excusing it, but yeah, sad, sad theology that they had. Um, now the high priest was a Sadducee, he was one of the ones that is um, you know, fleecing the flock, ex- exorbitant exchange rates within the temple, charging people ridiculous amounts to buy a dove or an animal to sacrifice. And now obviously the Sadducees are hearing about Jesus. Jesus is, is, is walking around, he's preaching the gospel, he's healing the sick, uh, people are, are turning to him. And now are they still going to be paying temple tax are they still going to be uh, wanting to make offerings? And, and is justice going to come into the temple because Jesus is there? And so the Sadducees are not very happy about this. They're not very happy about Jesus being there because their income is being uh, probably inhibited by the King of Kings. And so let's move over to Matthew chapter 22. And uh, we're going to read verse 29. Now, the context over here is Jesus has obviously gone into the temple. He's kicked them all out with the whip, uh, told them they're a den of robbers. And now he, the Sadducees are now trying to question him. Uh, they're trying to trap him because, remember, they don't believe in the resurrection. And so the Sadducees have asked him this question about the resurrection, even though they don't believe in it. But they've asked him this question about the resurrection because they're trying to trick him, trap him, uh, see that they can kind of prove that, that they're right and he's wrong. Uh, whatever their agenda might be. And so they ask him this complicated question about resurrection and what it might look like. Jesus responds in Matthew 22, verse 29. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. So Jesus corrects the Sadducees. He calls out an error that they have on, on two fronts. The first one being, you don't know the scripture. Now, I think we all know that if you don't know the scripture, the result is that you're probably going to get into some form of religious error. And we just look through history to, to see this happen time and time again. 
Um, if you just look at the, the, the religious cults that are often have been offshoots from Christianity uh, that, that you know, present a lot of their belief system as very similar to Christianity, but actually uh, it's, it's become a, a second twisted cult and it's very far from, from the truth. When you look at those cults, almost all of the time it happened because of a, a poor theology a misinterpretation or an intentional misinterpretation to mislead and misguide people for someone's own personal gain. Kind of like what the Sadducees were doing. I, I was reading an article from Christianity Today, uh, an article published in December 1960. So this is before many of us were even born. But I want to just read us a little excerpt here about the cults and what, uh, what kind of influence the lack of good theology had. It says, foremost in the missionary programs of the cults is an emphasis upon the Bible. Despite the prominence given the scriptures, however, the cults without exception place themselves in the role of infallible interpreters of the word of God with a vengeance rivaled only to the dogmatism by Roman Catholicism. The Mormons, for instance, insist that the scriptures be interpreted in light of the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, the Doctrine and Covenants, the supposedly inspired oracles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Elevate the Watchtower and Awake magazines, and other publications of the Watchtower Society to the position of supreme interpreter. Christian scientists subject the scriptures to the vagaries of Mary Baker Eddy's writings. Instead of being the infallible rule of faith and practice, the Bible is relegated to a secondary position. This is accomplished almost sublimely so that the covert is unaware, sorry, so that the convert is unaware that his primary authority is not really grounded in Scripture, but rather in the interpretation of Scripture by the respective cults. We'll stop over there. You see, these cults take the Scripture, twist the Scripture, misapply the Scripture, and lead people to themselves so that they can self-enrich themselves and basically lead people astray. Um, all rooted in a poor understanding of theology. And so that's why Jesus is confronting the Sadducees. It's why he's calling them out and saying, your lack of theology, of not knowing the Scriptures, is causing you to be in error. I mean, I think we all know that if we don't know the Scriptures, we can fall into some form of error. Jesus goes on, though, then, and he calls out a second error. The second error, he says, is that you don't know the power of God. Wow. Now, if I had to ask us a question, and I don't want to set you up for failure, but if I had to ask us a question and say, how many of us believe that if you don't have good understanding of the Scriptures, you could be led astray? I think every single hand would, would, would go up. But if I had to say to you, how many of you believe that if you don't know the power of God, you could fall into error? Probably most of us would think, mm, I need to think about that one, I'm not sure. Yet Jesus is calling out the Sadducees, the Sadducees and saying, you're in error because of both not knowing the Scripture and not knowing the power of God. Wow. Is it possible that, that the church, that Christians, can fall into error by not knowing the power of God? It's what Jesus is saying. I'm just reading it. <laughs> just quoting him. I mean, we see this actually in the church. 
We see sectors of the church where they no longer believe in the power of God or they believe that the power of God only existed, you know, thousands of years ago and it will only exist again in the future to come when Jesus returns. I don't know, but when you, when you read the scriptures pretty much from start to finish, I'd suggest that probably every page of the scripture is filled with some form of the power of God. And so if you're going to remove the power of God from the, 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 the scripture from the Bible, well then basically what you're doing is you're removing God from the Bible. And you start to form some kind of weird, strange cult. That's pretty challenging, isn't it? You might remember a couple, couple of months back, middle of last year somewhere, I, I shared a message about the, the, the most famous or most popular film franchises in the world. And, and I was using it to reflect and to depict the hunger that society has for the supernatural. Now, if, if you weren't there or if you, you don't remember, so when you do a Google search to look at the most popular film franchises, you'll find that Harry Potter is right up there, one of the top You'll find that the Spider-Man series is right up there. You'll find the X-Men series, the Avengers series. Uh, Star Wars is probably up there. What is the common theme you'll find in every single one of these movie franchises is that at some point, a common theme in the, the, the lead character or in the lead characters is that they've got some kind of supernatural power, a power, isn't, a power that is not their own or that they, they get from doing some strange thing. And these are the movies that everyone wants to watch. Why? Because we were created in the image of God and he is the all-powerful one. And I think in the same way that Adam and Eve were created to have fellowship with the Father, that in the same way that we discover him as we read the scripture, as we get into theology, because he is the living word. Jesus is the living word. The word is alive and when we read the scripture and when we allow the scripture to read us, it brings change, it brings transformation, it brings revelation, it brings life. The scripture is so important. In the same way that the scripture, um, that, that, that there's a hunger to know the Lord through the scripture and, uh, and through relationship, fellowship with him, I believe that in the same way society, mankind is born with a desire to know God and to know the power of God. And that's why people just find themselves so drawn to these movies that are depicting the supernatural realm, depicting these supernatural powers. You see, the, the world is longing to see and to find the power of the supernatural, to find the power of God. And are they going to find it on their TV coming from Hollywood? Or are they going to find it in the church? See, I believe that the, the Lord is inviting us, He's challenging us, He's stirring us for us to shine and to arise and to reflect, to demonstrate the awesome power of God because it's what we were born for. Because what if we fall into error for not knowing the power of God? When we were filming a documentary a couple of years ago, um, the documentary film was based on the premise that God wants to use ordinary people uh, and he wants to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. And so we, we titled the documentary Extraordinary. And uh, it's, it's freely available to, to stream on our website, extraordinarythefilm.com. If you're bored, go and watch it. Hopefully you'll be in, encouraged and, in, and inspired. 
one of the things that, we, that I got to do while we were filming the documentary is I got to interview a whole bunch of um, really powerful Christian leaders in, in, in the church. And uh, I think when I reflect back on all the different interviews I got to do, uh, there are probably two answers that stand out for me as like those were profound answers. And the one was, was asking a friend of ours from, from America, uh, Dano McCullum, asked him what qualifies us to be used by God. And he, he looked at me and he said, an earth suit. Uh, gave this moment's silence that felt like eternity and then went on to explain, basically, you just need to be alive. You just need to be breathing and alive and that's all that, that, that you need to be qualified to be used by God. Uh, the second, probably most profound answer I was given was I was asking, I had the same questions I was asking all the guys and I was asking, where are the miracles in the church today? We read the scriptures and we see so many miracles, signs, and wonders, and where are they today? Why is it not commonplace in the church that we see miracles and the power of God demonstrated? And uh, got to interview Bishop Joseph Garlington. How many of you guys know Bishop Joseph Garlington? Some of you. He might be with us in a couple of weeks. Uh, we might do a, a fun Sunday night celebration, so we'll let you know soon. But I got to interview Bishop Joseph and, and Barbara Garlington and, and asked this question. And I quote Bishop Joseph, this is not me. His answer to that question was, well, if you're a church, you should do miracles. If you're not doing miracles, you shouldn't call yourself a church. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty strong words. Yet I think when we look at the scriptures, when we look at Jesus uh, calling out the error of the Sadducees, you're in error because you do not know the power of God. I think he's right. I think he's right. Is it possible that our, our very westernized church has, has become totally okay with theology and scripture, but we're not so sure about the power of God because well, it's a little bit out there and different and it's, it's out the box. And, but the scripture says that we go into error when we don't know the power of God. So how do we know the power of God? What does it look like? Well, we're going to look at a whole bunch of scripture, but this I do know is that for us to experience the power of God, for us to, to see the power of God flowing through us, because that's one of the most common ways that the Lord works is through you and I. We, we're his hands and feet. When we look at the story of Peter on the boat, what was the thing that made him walk on water? What was the power of God? What did Peter have to do? He had to step out of the boat. If he didn't step out of the boat, well, he would have remained in the boat and he wouldn't have walked on water. You see, the boat was his comfort zone, his place of safety, the place where he had something solid under his feet. And it was only that moment when he stepped out of the comfort of the boat onto the water that the miracle happened. Most of the time when we see miracles taking place in the scripture, we'll see someone stepping right out of their comfort zone, right out of their safety space. And it's as they step into that unknown place of taking a risk, taking a step of faith in the Lord, that's when we see the power of God moving. And so, if you want to see the power of God, well, it's probably not going to be found in your comfort zone. It's probably going to be found 
just on the other edge of uh, the deck that you're standing on that is your safe space. Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. He says, My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. See, Paul's, Paul's writing and he's saying, your faith needs to be in God's power. Not just human wisdom, but your faith actually needs to be in the power of God. You see, if our faith is not in the power of God, perhaps that's an area where we fall into error. Let's look at a whole bunch of scripture and see what it says about the power of God. We're going to go to the Old Old Testament, Psalms 68, verse 33 to verse 35. We'll get the scriptures on the screen so you guys can follow, follow with. Psalm 68, verse 33. To him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice, proclaim the power of God whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. See, in the book of Psalms, we we see that that the Lord is promising that, that power and strength will be given to his people. Are there any of his people yet? Where is people? Power and strength is the Lord's intention for you. We then look at the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. <clears throat> this is just before uh, the Holy Spirit's poured out upon the church. This is just before Pentecost, before the church is birthed as we know it. And Jesus gives this promise in Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the the power of God is not just for fun times. It's not just for us to shake, rattle, and roll under the power and the anointing of the presence of God. No, the power of God has a very clear and very defined purpose and intention. The power of God is, is in you in the form of Holy Spirit so that you might be a powerful witness to him. Uh, We've been on this series for about the last three or four weeks between John and I about being led by Holy Spirit. It's it's the prophetic painting uh, this morning that Lisa did as well. A life being led by Holy Spirit. You see, when we're led by Holy Spirit, the power of Holy Spirit within us wants to flow through us that you might be a powerful witness to Jesus. That, that lives might be changed and transformed because of the power of Holy Spirit flowing through you because that is the reason for the power of God that we will witness to him. Now, I know many of us don't like doing outreach. We don't like witnessing. We don't like sharing our faith. Come on, let's be honest. This is church. We don't want to lie before the Lord. We don't want lightning to strike our building. That already happened twice last year. It's a very expensive process. Come on, let's be honest. It's uncomfortable sharing faith. It's uncomfortable to witness and tell someone else about your living relationship with Jesus. It's uncomfortable for me. It stretches me, pulls me out of my comfort zone. I'm sure it's the same for all of you. But what is the thing that, that prevents us from doing that? Well, probably it's, it's our, our lack of confidence. It's our lack of knowledge of the Scripture. 
we haven't studied enough. We haven't done three years of theology. We don't know the scriptures off by heart. We're not eloquent enough in our speech. We're not good enough. We're not perfect enough. We're not righteous enough. Whatever it might be. I'm sure that in your mind there's all sorts of reasons that run through your head as to prevent you from from witnessing or sharing about Jesus. But I guess we've got to ask ourselves the question is, well then where is your faith? Because if your faith is in your own ability to do it, well it's probably not going to go very well. But if your faith is in Him and in His power, and you've received His power to witness, that when we have our faith in Him and in His power, well then it's like, well I have everything I need to do this, because it's not in my own strength that I witness, it's in His strength. He's the one that empowers me to be a witness and to share. And so if you find yourself where you have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, to share the good news of the love of Jesus, I want to encourage you to realize in that moment, this is not in your own strength or by your own power that you get to do this, but this is by the power of Holy Spirit that is in you and upon you for the very reason that you find yourself in that conversation. Let's have a look at some more scripture. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Oh, that's such a beautiful verse. I quote this to myself all the time. <laughs> Every time when I feel anxious or afraid, nervous about something, I remind myself I've been given not a spirit of fear or of timidity, but I've been given a spirit of power and love, self-discipline, sound mind, depending on the translation. Man, when you find yourself in that situation where, where your heart starts to beat, a lot faster than what it should be beating, <laughs> because you're feeling nervous, you're feeling anxious, uh, you know that Holy Spirit's inviting you to step out of the boat onto the water, but everything within your flesh doesn't want to do it. But you know that there's this pull in your spirit to do it. Come on, am I the only one that experiences this tension? <laughs> it's in that moment that you need to pull on the scripture and say, I was born for this. I've been given not a spirit of fear or timidity, but I've been given a spirit of power, love, sound mind, sound, uh, self, of discipline, self-discipline. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. See, his kingdom is a kingdom of power. And I think if we neglect knowing his power, because his kingdom is power, we can fall into a form of error. We don't want to do that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to verse 23. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let's just pause over there. Paul's writing again in Ephesians saying, I pray that you may know 
And then he's listing all these things that we might know them. Now this knowing is not a, an intellectual knowing, but it's an experiential knowing. That we will experientially know the incomparably great power for us who believe. Are there any believers here this morning? There's an incomparably great power of the Holy Spirit that he's giving to you and that he wants to give to you on a daily basis. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Come on, that same power that raised Christ from the dead in the form of Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. Wow! Isn't that powerful? Paul carries on here. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Matthew 26, verse 64. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. It's from the English Standard Version. A lot of translations will still say right hand of the Father, but when you look at the original Greek, the ESV has got it right. It's the same word dunamis, the power of God. Now the dunamis power that we're referring to over here is the same dunamis that we read in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. That the power, the manifest power of God comes upon us when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. It's the same power that we read about when Jesus corrects the errors of the Sadducees. You see, it's not that there's some strange translation from the Greek or Hebrew into English that, that causes us to read Matthew twenty two twenty nine when Jesus says, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. No, that word power Jesus uses is the same word, dunamis. The word used over here, that Jesus will be seated at the right hand of dunamis, power, same word again. You see, the, the, the power of God, it's who he is. God is the all-powerful one. When people experience the power of God, they're experiencing him. You see, I think with, with, with knowing the scriptures in isolation and without having the scripture and the power of God, we fall in error. If we have only the power of God without the scripture, we fall in error. If we have only the scripture without the power of God, we fall in error because the power of God is God himself. Jesus is at the right hand of power. Father God, the all-powerful one. Romans 15, verse 17 to 19. Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. See, Paul is saying over here, as he's writing in Romans, he says, 
follow me by what I have said and by what I have done. By the signs, the wonders, the miracles, by the power of God, let that be witness and testimony to Jesus, not just the spoken word. You see, we're a carrier of his power. We're not the source, but we are a carrier. Everything we have comes from him. Luke chapter 8, verse 46, this is Jesus walking through the crowd, and we all know the story. A lady with the issue of blood presses through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment, knowing that if she could just touch him, that she might get healed. For many years she's had this, this issue, touches, touches Jesus, and she gets instantly healed. But Jesus' response is, is interesting. He says, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Now, why do I read this verse? It's because... Jesus obviously had an awareness of the power of God that was in him, that was upon him. That when someone made a withdrawal on that power, he was aware of of something taking place. What does that look like for us to daily get up in the morning and read the scripture that we might know the scripture? On the other side, what does it look like for us to get up every morning And to be cognizant and aware of the power of God that is in you and upon you. That through the day we will be led by the Spirit. That we'll be led by the power of God within us. Because again, if we don't know the power of God, we can fall into error. This is not the type of sermon that we can talk about. And not demonstrate. This is the type of message that we need to demonstrate. When we read the Gospels, when we read, uh, you know, Paul's missionary trips, the most common thing we find is that one of the most frequent or the most frequent way that the power of God was demonstrated and manifested was in the form of healing. We see it take place almost everywhere Jesus goes. The sick are healed. The lame are set free. Jesus is powerful. Holy Spirit is powerful. So we're going to do, we're going to do this now. Because I don't want you to fall into error, right? Come on, what kind of a leader would I be if I told you about it and didn't give you an opportunity to practice that you don't fall into error? See, I've trapped you. I've got your hook, line, and sinker. You've got nowhere else to go now. You're standing on the edge of the deck and you're about to step into the ocean. And you know what? You're going to walk on water because he's powerful. Not because we're amazing, but because he's powerful. You know, so we're going to go after some healing together corporately quickly this morning. Uh, so I'm going to share a few words of knowledge if, if, if it makes sense for you. If you'll encourage me and put your hand up uh, that I can feel encouraged this morning as well. So if you're struggling with cold or flu, if you wouldn't mind, we want to pray for you. And my hand is up to my voice. Is staying strong. Amen. Uh, left forearm. Anyone with pain in the left forearm? Um, some kind of a strain or, or, or just a general pain in the, the left side of the arm? Thank you. Uh, someone with a muscle tear? I'm not sure where it is. Uh, we'll definitely go for hamstrings, a, a torn hamstring. But any other kind of muscular tear? Um, I want to pray for you. Uh, someone or maybe a few of you with pain in the jaw? Uh, down the, the lower side of the jaw, but we'll pray for any kind of toothache or something as well. Thank you. Um, and then uh, some ladies struggling with endometriosis. 
We want to pray for you. Uh, anyone struggling with uh, your eyes? Uh, someone perhaps that had uh, a laser or uh, some kind of surgery on the eyes and you're struggling with lots of uh, floaters in your eyes still. And, oh, I see Audrey now. And I didn't, didn't think of you when I, when I got that word of knowledge. Um, but anyone else with eye floaters or eye problems, we want to, want to pray, for, pray for you. If you have any other prayer need, if you're in pain this morning, if you're sick, if uh, there's any kind of um, disease you're, you're fighting, we want, to, we want to stand with you and let the power of God come and intervene and uh, bring change into your life. So if you need prayer, if you responded to one of those words of knowledge or any other prayer need, I want to invite you, please, won't you stand up and then put your hand up. So don't be shy. Let's stand. Thanks, everyone. All right, everyone else that's seated, you guys are the prayer team. You're the ones that are going to get to now step out of the, the boat onto the water. So look around. If you're seated, find someone that's got their, uh, well, that's standing. And, uh, and the first one that, that kind of draws, uh, that your eyes drawn to, that's the person you're going to go pray for. Um, if you're at home watching, we want to be praying for you as well. So please stand and engage with this, and we'll pray a corporate prayer and release healing over you too. Uh, before I see you in the, in the room, go find someone uh, that's standing that needs prayer. If you're needing prayer, if you can now put your hand up because everyone's going to be standing now, make sure you keep your hand raised until at least two or three people have gathered around you. For everyone that's sitting, I really want to encourage you, go gather around uh, someone that's standing that you might experience and see the power of God. Because again, I don't want you to fall into error because you don't know the power of God. So I've still got a bunch of hands raised on uh, the, the right-hand side of the auditorium. So if you can please, if you are seated, go find someone with their hand raised. We're not praying yet, so please don't get into praying. Shh. I'm going to give you guys some instructions. So we just want to make sure everyone's got someone praying for them. Still got two hands over there. Are they sorted now, I think? Perfect. All right. So all I want you to do, you're not praying. No praying, no praying, shh, no praying, no laying hands yet. All I want you to do is find out what the person's name is, find out what's wrong with them, and if they are currently in pain, find out on the international pain scale of zero being no pain, ten being excruciating pain, where is the pain level at right now? You're not praying. All you're doing is finding out their name, what's wrong, and how bad is the pain. So I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds to do that. Go for it. Hopefully you've had enough time to find out what's wrong, what their name is, how bad the pain is. Okay, so now all we're going to do is you're not allowed to lay hands, you're not allowed to touch the person, you're not allowed to pray anything, you're not allowed to say anything. All I want you to do is you can stretch your hand towards them and I just want you to just think about the powerful, mighty king that we serve. That Jesus went to the right hand of power himself, Father God. I want you just to meditate, to fill your mind with how incredibly gracious, kind, loving, powerful God is. That he would call himself Jehovah Rapha, God who heals. Just think about how beautiful and how powerful he is and how much his, he loves this person that's standing in front of you. Think of how much 
His power wants to invade this situation and bring transformation. So we're going to do that for 30 seconds. No praying, just, just contemplating, meditating the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't that feel good in the room just when you just take a moment just to even just think about him? See, even when we just think about him, his presence comes. All right, if you are receiving prayer, uh, I want you to test it out. See, has the pain come down? So maybe your pain was a 7 out of 10. Has the pain come down? Maybe it's a 6 out of 10 or 5 out of 10. Um, has, if there was a lack of mobility, has the mobility improved? Has there been any change or improvement after that time of just focusing on the goodness, the kindness, of uh, the love of God? So test it out if you can. See if there's been any improvement. If there has been an improvement, if I can ask you to put both hands in the air and wave them so we can all see. So wow, look at these hands. One, two, three, four, five, six. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's celebrate what he's doing. Thank you, Lord. Is that even legal? <laughs> like we didn't even pray. You see, actually, if we read the, if we read the scriptures, because Jesus says we shouldn't fall into error by not knowing the scripture, but we won't find in the scripture an instruction to pray for the sick. You see, we'll only find an instruction to heal the sick. Uh, there is a difference. <laughs> I'll leave that one with you. All right, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and minister healing one more time. So this time, uh, for the prayer team, I want you guys to speak to the situation. If it's a pain, speak to the pain. Speak to the condition, whatever it might be. I want you to take authority over it, and I want you to release the power of Jesus into that situation as you take authority of whatever that, that infliction might be. On, on the person. So I want you to pray a really bold, courageous prayer that you're really stepping out of the boat, a prayer that's way bold or more courageous than what you've ever done before. And with that, if, if perhaps there's a prophetic action that you feel Holy Spirit is guiding you to do, I want to release you to do a prophetic action over the person. Uh, many of the times where we see healing take place in the scriptures, uh, oftentimes there's a, a prophetic action that takes place uh, that, that is the key that unlocks healing. So I'm going to give you guys another 30 seconds to pray a bold prayer as you take authority and as you release healing into the person. Let's go for it. All right, if you're receiving prayer, if you can go ahead and test it out again, see if there's been any further improvement. Maybe the pain was a seven after the first prayer came down to a five. Maybe it's come down to a three. Maybe the mobility's improved. Uh, maybe you're just feeling uh, better altogether. So... Uh, we'll test it out, see if there's been any difference. And if there is any difference, if I can ask you, so if there's been an, an additional improvement uh, or a first-time improvement, can I ask you again to wave your hands, both hands up in the air, if you can. Come on, right up nice and high in the air so we can all see. Look at all these hands. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow, can we just celebrate him? Isn't he so good?
Uh, all right, stay where you are. I just want to see, is there anyone that's received complete healing that you feel like the pain is completely gone? Uh, you, you feel that, that there's been 100% restoration. If you can wave your hand, if you feel you've had 100%. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Any other hands? All right. At the back there as well. That's so good. Well, we'll know that the Lord completes what he started. And so we're going to go after this one more time again. Uh, I remember a situation once where I was praying in a church in Durban, ministering healing, and uh, had a word of knowledge about knee pain, praying for a senior lady. Um, when I say senior, she was probably in her late 70s, maybe in her early 80s, and uh, prayed for her, asked her to check it out, said, could you walk upstairs? And she said uh, it would be painful if she walked upstairs. Well, prayed for her. I was young. I was full of faith and ignorance, I guess. Said, well, walk up those stairs over there. And up she went, up and down, came back down, still in pain. Uh, prayed a second time, did it again, still in pain. Did a third time, still in pain. Did a fourth time. At this time, I think people thought I was torturing the poor old lady. <laughs> At that point, I said to her, I know that this is crazy, and we've done this four times already, but could I pray for you one last time? She said, sure. Prayed a fifth time. Power of God comes upon her, completely healed. Up and down the stairs, pain all gone, 100% gone. I mean, why didn't it happen the first four times? I don't know. <laughs> the scripture does say sometimes knock and keep on knocking. Sometimes we just need to persist and keep going. So let's pray. Let's pray one more time because not everyone's received 100%. Uh, so let's go after this again uh, and just trust God to bring breakthrough into this situation. I'll give you guys another 30 seconds. Thank you, Jesus. All right, if you can, test it out again. See if there's been any further improvement. And then, and then one last time, we just want to see after that third time of praying, if you felt an improvement for the first time or an additional improvement. If you're 100% healed, you can't participate in this one. You're, you're done. You're already healed. But if it's, if it's the first time you're, you've experienced a measure of breakthrough or an additional breakthrough, then can I ask you to wave your hands in the air? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Still seeing hands. That's how simple it is to minister healing. It really is that simple. And when we look at the scriptures, I think we've, as a Western church, or a church that's been influenced by a Western culture, let me say, I think we've, we, we've, we've put value on the scripture, but I think in many aspects we've neglected the power of God. And as Jesus corrects the Sadducees, that we will not fall into error because we don't know the power of God. Now, how can you grow and mature and continue to learn to know the power of God? Well, it's to do what we just did and to do it frequently, to do it when you're at work, to do it when you're socializing, to do it when you're with friends, is when you find opportunities that you find yourself looking into the water, thinking it's scary, it's choppy out there, it's wild, but I'm going to step out, take a risk, and maybe walk on water. Not for your sake, but for his sake. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you, you love us, that you would heal us. We pray for everyone that's at home and 
the same breakthroughs that we've seen in the room now, we release into your lounge, into your, your, your room, wherever you're watching from, that you too right now will experience and encounter the healing power of Jesus. And so we speak healing to whatever situation it is that you're needing breakthrough in. Thank you, Lord. For all of us, we then thank you, Lord, also that we won't fall into error because of not knowing the scripture, but that we also won't fall into error because of not knowing the power of God. Lord, help us to grow, to mature, to be discipled in knowing your power, in knowing how you move in power, that we might demonstrate the riches of your glory, of your beauty, that we will witness to you as we powerfully demonstrate the reality of our living, resurrected King. So thank you, Lord, you give us opportunities. Thank you that when we find ourselves at the edge of the deck and our hearts are racing, that we remind ourselves of the truth of Scripture, that you've given us a spirit of power, not of fear, and that you've given us everything we need to step out and see breakthrough. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys. Go and minister healing and power to people through this week. If you are visiting, please join us at our visitor center downstairs. I would love to connect with you. Uh, Otherwise, there is tea and coffee downstairs. Uh, Go and take someone for a cup of coffee and have a powerful week. God bless you guys.